How was your week, George? It was a busy week. It's the last fiscal week of our quarter. And so there's a lot of stuff going on. Closing out the quarter financially will happen next week for the most part. But we had goals, Q1 goals that were rolled down from the top of the company, company company-wide for everybody for the first time ever. And what I mean by that is we have goals, but the management practice about making sure goals are in workday in our HR system there's not much adherence to it, but something changed. And this time everybody was basically supposed to have words on paper, words in by yesterday, the 31st of March. So I spent time with my team reviewing what that meant. And we had already known what we were going to do for the quarter. So it was not a problem. It was mostly a, a paperwork and sanity check exercise. Anyway, so was, uh, this is, I think that one of these transition steps from teenager company to big boy company. Yeah. It's awkward. Just like puberty. (laughs) We're in corporate puberty. (laughs) Yeah. I often think of this whenever I'm working with businesses, I always frame it into like, oh yeah, growing pains. There's always these growing pains as they're going from one stage to the next, right? Mm -hmm. That's what you're doing. Yep. This this story here reminds me of why we were thinking about the podcast in the first place because everyone's like, so this is what's happening with me and goals at big company. And in the past, I'll tell you about this to me like, oh, yeah, I remember those days. And then you'll usually have some story about somebody you're consulting with or helping with right now dealing with that. And this kind of like I'm mildly annoyed at what's happening at my company thing is <laughs> part of what I think gave you the idea. Like, you know, we should make that into a podcast. Yeah. And even just listening to you talk about it now. And I think, you know, smaller businesses, they're not at that level of they're going to grow into, I got to put all my stuff in work day, which is just a fancy, you know, <laughs> computer system. Yeah. But like, if they work with me, I start pushing them into, well, you have to set your own quarterly goals. And for a lot of small business owners, they're like, what I do, I got, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, I guess I do. So there's just layers of how you're setting goals and how they're rolling out through an organization. There are all these just iterations of improvement that we're making, right? That we talk about all the time. This is how we're leveling up performance. Yes, indeed. Welcome to The Belief Shift, the show that explores what you really need to know about building a successful small business. I'm your host, Camille Rapaz, small business coach and consultant who spent too much of her career working in corporate business performance. And I'm George Trapeau, your co-host and her brother. I'm a leader in the tech world, bringing my corporate perspective, but mostly my curiosity. Together, we're exploring beliefs about success and how to achieve it, but mostly we're bringing practical solutions so you and your business can thrive. And How was your week? Even, well, my week was great. <laughs> what did I do this week? I did a lot of podcast planning work this week, so that was fun. Oh. Mostly because I'm trying to get ahead of the game right now because I have, I'm basically going to be out for the whole month of May. And I, yes. I know I'm very excited. We'll talk about that more later. But I'm trying to decide if I'm going to have podcasts that come out while I'm out or if I'm going to have a break. And I'm okay with either one. I'm just sort of trying to see how it's playing out. And so that's requiring a little more advanced thinking than I would normally be doing. I wouldn't be trying to get that detailed into my plan. I mean, I do a lot of planning, but this is pretty detailed. Anyhow, so that's what I was busy doing this week. Otherwise, good week. I think that's good for the audience to know. I mean... I think they're probably getting a sense of you as the rest of us who know and love you do that you are a planner, but I don't think of you as a high maintenance planner. You're just clear, clear thinker. And when we talk about stuff, when I visit, you don't, 
make me plan my every single minute. That's not how it works. And so hearing you talk about like you're spending extra time planning because you're taking May off. Maybe some of the audience would have figured, oh, I thought she had the next three years planned out every single week. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you have planning, but not, not stupid advanced planning, right? You still live your life. I do try to, yes, have a nice balance. And I will say my husband helps to balance out the non-planning because he's not a planner. Though recently he's been asking for my help with his business and helping him. So I'm basically doing Mm. coaching with him now on his business, which is, have actually been really fun and rewarding. So I know people are like, what you're coaching your spouse. That seems weird. (laughs) It's actually really fun to just see what's going on. I'm learning more about what's happening in his business and what he's challenged with and feel like I'm actually able to help him when I'm in that mode. I think he can hear me offer up ideas in a way when we're in a official coaching session than if I'm just his wife. Yeah. Like over dinner saying, Hey, you should try this thing, you know, which I try very hard not to do. All right. Do you want to talk about our topic today? Hold yes, on, we could just keep talking about this because kind of we fun. could do that too, but I think we should probably get to the topic at hand. In our last episode, which was episode 33, we talked about growth mindset. And the reason we talked about growth mindset was because it's the prerequisite to talking about this topic today, which is the idea of what does it mean to build a learning organization or to build hmm. learning into the culture and environment of your company? Question though, for you, George. Do you believe that we all have a desire to learn? Serious answer? No. Serious answer. And I find that incredibly frustrating. I used to think that we all had a desire to learn, but it's just not true. No, not really. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Do you agree with me? I do. I think people want to be smarter, but maybe skip (laughs) the learning part. I, I literally <laughs> just realized that's what I think. Yeah, As wow. you, you said, no, I was like, oh, because I usually think everybody has all this potential and they want to be the best person. And I'm like, no, he's right. There are people who really don't because learning is painful. So yeah, I think I'm with you. I don't think everybody's really down with the actual learning thing. Yeah. And when it comes to companies, mm, mm. companies, I believe are definitely not designed to encourage learning. And so I think that's that sort of adds to this. Can we expand on that? Yeah, it it does. I mean, I'm in the software industry and you learn or die pretty much in the software industry. If you go further with what I think you're trying to say about the organizational support for encouraging learning, I want to hear what you think about that. Because it's one thing to say, yeah, we support it. Or even here's some money. It's another thing to really put scaffolding around it. Yes. So I am talking about more than just saying, you know, here's some training dollars. Though that also is That's huge. not what, what not widely, you know, used in all companies, like really big companies sort of have the budget to do it. Yeah. But you know, even when I worked in big companies, I would run into this issue all the time of just getting them to approve tiny amounts of training yeah. money for my team. Yes. It was always a struggle. It's always a fight. Right. So I think even when you're in a space of, we all agree learning is good, but companies actually creating an environment that encourages it by removing these obstacles, like, well, I can't afford it, or I don't have time or all these things. Like companies are kind of like, you go take care of your own learning. Yeah. Sort of seems like the, the general approach. I think just the inherent design of a business can sometimes create an environment that actually hampers learning. Like a business mm-hmm. by design inhibits learning. And you as a business owner are 
are probably creating a business without having structures and an environment for learning without yeah. even knowing it. Like you're not intentionally saying, I don't want anybody to get smarter and learn something. You don't yeah. go into it like that, <laughs> but it's done because it happens because of the inattention to making learning a critical part of the business. It connects back to the idea we talked about in the last episode in growth mindset. It's where we said growth mindset isn't just about, I like to go take classes. Growth mindset is about reframing how we think about failure. And mm -hmm. it goes beyond the, the typical standard ways we think of learning. So yeah. that's why I connected these two ideas together, because I think it's okay. also how we get learning in an organization wrong is we oversimplify <laughs> it. But if we can do it right, if we can get a company designed with learning as just culturally part of how we think about the way we do all of our work. So today I want to talk about how companies inhibit learning and what do you as a small business owner, how do you either head that off as you're growing your business or when your business, as it's getting bigger, how do you pay attention to it? So you're still benefiting from that. Cause it's going to give you so much better results at the end of the day, if you can just do some of these things intentionally. And that's really what it comes down to is having intention around creating learning as part of your company, but also not getting overwhelmed by this idea. Again, as we talk about everything. How do you micro move your way into it, right? Yeah. Okay. So I have to admit, this, this is going to be an eye opener for me. I can already see that because I'm on the same page as you, but I don't think I've actually thought I can feel George's rose colored glasses attitude taking over here. Yeah. So you ask me, do I think our company is designed to encourage learning? Yeah. I mean, in my experience, I get a lot of positive reinforcement. My own training is, you know, to ask for money to get training. That's really as far as I'm getting most of the time, because I'm a very happy, positive person. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I'm not thinking about really how companies are inhibiting, tamping down learning. So like, how is that happening? How do you see companies inhibit learning? Yeah, let's talk about it. So I have a list okay. that I want to go through. And I love that you're <laughs> trying to see this other side of it. I think I have eight things that I identified that are ways that I think companies really inhibit learning. So huh. your job, George, is to listen to them and see if you can suss out what you think your top three on this list would be. This isn't to say that audience, George is perfect. And these are actually the top three. These are just George's top three. I'm here for George's top three at the moment. So before that, I just want to say there's a couple references because, you know, I always like to share huh. with people, if you're curious to learn more about this topic, I mean, obviously you're going to listen to the rest of the podcast and you will be enlightened. But then when you're done, <laughs> if you're like, I want to know more, or I wonder if that girl really knows what she's talking about. Yeah. I have a couple of resources I'll link to in the show notes. One is this book called The Fifth Discipline by Peter Senge. Hmm. And that he really talks about this idea of creating a learning organization. That one with the mindset book that we talked about last time, <laughs> those two together really were informing me and in how to think about building a culture of continuous improvement. Uh, I'm also just pulling from my own experience of I did spend years just working on this idea of how do we create a learning organization as part of continuous improvement. So all of my experience, that's what we were doing when we were trying to implement lean. So I'm pulling from that. I also found this really great uh, Harvard Business Review article that, again, I'll link in the show notes. It really has a great summary, even better probably than, you know, trying to read the whole book that Peter Sanger wrote. It does a really great summary of just learning organizations. So if you're looking for more references, you can see those there. But awesome. for now, listening, because here we go. Okay. All right. So these are the eight things that I see that inhibit learning. I'm sure there are more, but these are my top eight. 
The first one is just the idea that we are not thinking as business owners and leaders as learning is part of a high performance business. And what I mean mm. by that is we focus the business around we need a good strategy. We got to have good marketing. We need product development. We need, you know, great customer service. We're focusing on all these elements of business as we create departments around them. We create all processes for them. We do lots of creative discussions and brainstorming on these topics. We really put a lot of energy into them, but we don't treat learning in the same way. Learning is sort of assumed, which actually is number two, assuming that people will do it naturally. Okay. So the number one is we don't think about it as critical to high performance, the way we do strategy marketing and all these other parts of business. And number two is we just assume people will do it naturally. So whether you believe we have an inclination to learn or not, which you saying, no, I don't, that's a horrible idea to assume we're going to do it naturally. Right. <laughs> that's number two. Number three is that we limit our learning to just going to training and doing it in a classroom as yeah. opposed to also learning by doing. Yeah. And so e-learning is just, yeah, I, I, like you said, here's the money, go to that class. That sounds great. Get that training, but you're just going yep. and receiving information. How do you then come back and learn by actually doing the thing Okay. and have support for that learning? Yeah. So that's number three, just limited to training in classrooms. Number four, limiting people's roles in the company. So if their job descriptions are too narrow or in a company where, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, George, where it's just like, kind of like, you know, you're told to stay in your lane. Like, yeah. don't think about the problems outside of your area. That's not your job. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating. Oh, systems. yeah. Like, don't be I'm feeling triggered now. Yeah. Okay. So that's <laughs> number four, limiting your roles. <laughs> number five is your work is centered around being reactive and firefighting all the time. Oh, interesting. Yeah. This is a really big one for small business owners. Like we're constantly in this reactive mode, right? We get busy and all of a sudden that's all we're doing. So there's no time to analyze or problem solve. And the true problem solving is learning, learning a better way. And sometimes I hear people say, yeah, I'm a great problem solver. But all they're actually doing is firefighting. You're good at reacting to a situation. You're not good at actually root cause analysis and problem solving. And they're okay. different. Yeah. And that second one is where learning happens. So that's number five. Number six, doing accountability poorly or what? another word for this is just blame. Playing the blame oh, game. I see. <laughs> so yeah. We call it accountability, but what we really mean is I need somebody to point the finger at for who's responsible huh. for this thing that went wrong. Seeking to blame somebody, it's easier than thinking about the larger problem or system. We want someone held accountable for this thing that went wrong. Yes. So that's number six. Okay. Number seven is leaders and managers who just don't know how to develop employees into learners. Yeah. And that's either they just don't know how to teach them how to think creatively and broadly. Nobody taught them how to do it. So they don't know how to teach anyone else. Sometimes these leaders themselves, they've just stopped learning. Like you get to a level of achievement in your job and you get a certain title and you're like, and I'm done. Don't need to learn anymore. I got this. And then sometimes it's also just that those leaders or managers, they don't even know that it should be part of their job. Nobody told yeah. them your job is to develop these people and help them learn. Yeah. So that's number seven. And then the last one, is just 
generally not creating a culture of what we call psychological safety, which basically just means we have a culture where people are encouraged to speak up and that it's supported for them to speak out about what they're seeing going on in the company. So we make it okay for them to try something out and fail at it or to put a crazy idea out there for people to discuss. Like, hey, what if we tried X? And often companies are set up where people feel like they have to have their ideas fully baked before they can present them. I remember having this feeling where I was like, man, if I go into that room with all those VPs, I better know what I'm talking about Yeah, because all they're going to want to do is poke holes in my idea, not actually collaboratively talk about the potential of my idea. Yeah, man. Yeah. Right. Happens all the time. And they're like, no, we're trying to help you by poking holes. No, you're not. You're trying to take down my idea. You're not actually trying to elevate my idea with me. I mean, you can send me off to go do more work, but we're not having a collaborative conversation about this. So that's missing. And if you don't have enough psychological safety in a company for people to feel safe, again, feel safe psychologically to just talk about this stuff. So you're losing mm-hmm. opportunities to thought partner, collaborate, brainstorm, do any of this learning together because you're squelching it. So those are my eight. Awesome list. Okay. Wow. So many reactions. I'm going to do my okay, lightning round top three, and then I have an honorary mention. Oh, I like it. Okay. The first one, limiting learning to training in classrooms. And I have a pet peeve about that. I feel very strong. It's probably my biggest one. Number two, limiting people's roles. Yes, absolutely. I find that frustrating when it impinges on people's growth and learning. And I see that happening even when it's well-meaning. I get the point for swim lanes. You don't want a big company full of cowboys where everybody just kind of does everything and you don't coordinate. You want coordination. You want clear boundaries between people, but not to the extent that it limits people's learning. And then work being centered around being reactive and kind of firefighting. Actually, this is another thing that comes up for us in the podcast, doesn't it? Like being reactive, getting in the way of something else, getting in the way of planning, getting in the way of reflection. And so it comes up again, getting in the way of learning. My honorary mention will be the not knowing how to develop employees into learners. I like this one because it is so kind. I mean, it's giving leaders and managers credit for wanting their employees to learn, but just not knowing how to do that. This is my honorary mention. And I would say for those of you who are leaders and you say, but I encourage my people to be learners, like consider what Camille's talking about, that maybe there's some tooling you can get to actually be good at that. I would love to hear more about that. Can I go back to my top one and say my pet peeve? Yes, please do. And then I'll come back and make another comment about your honorable mention. So limiting learning to training in classrooms. So I work in a function at our organization where I'm working with other partners and we're in a sales organization. So we're jointly combining technology with our biggest strategic partners. And then we're training the sales forces on how to go and sell that stuff to customers, but not just training. At this company, we use the word enablement. And a lot of times when people say the word enablement, what they really mean is the training. And so I have a pet peeve about this word. And what I'll tell them is, look, here's the difference between training and enablement in my mind. Training is like what you learn when you go to law school. You spend time in classes, read books, you do case studies, but you're not actually running a law business. Enablement is the stuff after that you need to learn how to set up your practice, how to hire people, what area of law to go into, how to have conversations with the customers training. And when you're done training, you're not fully enabled to do that business. There is a difference. And so one of the 
I mean, that ties into the kinds of training, how people think about it and going to classrooms or sending you through classrooms and thinking you're fully ready to go out on the street and do stuff. You're trained, but you're not enabled. That's why that's my top one, because I have this pet peeve about training versus enablement. Damn it. (laughs) I love that description. You just drove that point home. That is the difference that we're talking about in creating a learning organization. Just having classes and training for people, it's important. I don't want to poop all that. You must great train stuff. people. You must job train people. I know companies that aren't training their people on all of the systems that they have that people have to use, you know, the technology. And so they're fumbling all the time and they're frustrated in their jobs just because they don't know how to use this software. So training is important. However, you can't stop there. I can okay. yeah. get trained how to do my job. But this is one of the benefits of when they talk about doing on-the-job training, having actual programs for that, because then all the variables come in and that's where the learning really happens. In a classroom, it's hard to have all the variables, all the unexpected stuff show up. You can't do it. I want to come back to, you know, your honorable honorable mention (laughs) about the leaders and managers who just don't know how. So this is one of the things that we focused on a lot in creating high performance organization is teaching our leaders to be coaches. Mm -hmm. It's essentially what we're doing. How do I teach you how to be a coach to your team? And coaching is about, I'm helping you learn for yourself. Consulting is I'm going to tell you what to do because I'm an expert. Coaching is I'm going to help you learn, discover ways to do things better for yourself. Usually leaders and managers are like, well, I'm supposed to be the smarty pants in the room because I'm the boss. So I just give answers and solutions to my team. But when you flip it, and right, I mean, that's, that's, yeah. that's the standard way to think about it. But if you're really going to build a high performing team, you're going to teach them how to do things better on their own. And you're going to yeah. coach them through how to do that. So there's this element of coaching in here that's really essential to being able to do all of this stuff that I just love the tie-in for that. All right. So those were your top three plus honorable mention. Now I want to move into the next phase of this, which is, of course, we always want to tell people like, well, what are they supposed to do about it? Yeah. Right. And if you're a small business, you might feel like my people feel good about speaking up. I will just say every leader and business owner believes that they 100% have the best culture of people feeling free to speak up. Mm-hmm. And I will just say, even with all the best of intentions, you can still be doing things that are shutting them down, or they might be bringing their own baggage in from their previous job. I've had this, right? Where I'm like, why is this person being so resistant? Oh, thinking I'm going to be just like their last boss. And so they're coming in with that same approach. So just be aware that this does take a little bit more intention, I would say, around how you think about this. And don't just be like, oh, no, we're fine. We don't have any, or or my company's not big enough to think about this. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah. Even if it's just you, you really got to be thinking about this. But especially companies with small teams, they may not have the issue of, say, people's roles, because in that case, you probably have people holding, like, more than many hats because you're a small team and everybody's kind of doing a little bit of everything. So that's kind of the beauty of that. Those lanes get narrowed the bigger the company gets. But as you're growing, you can be thinking about this. Like, how do I keep the dynamic that we had when we were young and we were all like all over the place? And how do I keep that learning energy up as I continue to grow the company? That's one of the things I have them focus on. But to keep this simple, I want to walk through how people can think about how to start building learning into their company. And then when I get done with this, so George, your job now is I want you to pretend you are a small business owner. Okay. And I'm going to walk through these, what you can do. And then afterwards, we're going to do a little mock-up 
of how you would do it in your business, just from your own approach. Not that this awesome. again is okay. the perfect way. It'll just be George's way. So I'll give people kind of an example of how you might think through it. Okay. So cool. here we go. So I've talked about my framework for a high performance business in the past. And basically I think of these three pillars for high performance. So yeah. I have these three pillars, clarity, systems, and mindset. And if you are working on developing in each of those three areas, then you are working towards building a high performance business. The beauty of this framework is you can apply it to all these smaller parts of your business. And so this is also going to be a theme that's going to be showing up often as we talk about, well, what do I do about it? Well, what you want to do to build the learning organization as part of the culture of your company is you want to first get clarity around setting clear expectations for learning and the behaviors that go with it. Mm. You want to create a shared vision for the company. People need to know what's the purpose of the learning. Like what, where are we headed? So like when you talk about in a software company, learning being sort of, you have to be learning all the time. Well, yeah, because the purpose is for you guys to be out ahead of everybody. And that is a fast moving industry. Yeah. So it makes sense. There's a clear vision of what we're trying to accomplish. And so we know what kinds of things we should be learning about really clear. So that's important. And then you do want to clarify to the people that you work with that personal mastery does matter, that there are expectations for them to personally be developing. This gets back to the very first thing we said, which is don't assume everybody's walking in thinking I'm here to be a learner because they might not be. Okay. And right. so, you know, you obviously you want to hire well, you want to hire people who want to be learning, but then you want to set that expectation. So these are areas of just creating clarity around being intentional of learning, of being part of your company. Okay. Questions about any of that, George? I don't think so. I think I get this. Okay. Then we'll go to systems. So systems okay. is the second part of this. And the systems, this is kind of the big part, right? And this is the easy stuff to think about because it can be more tangible. So create systems for things like problem solving, uh, expecting people to really focus on understanding cause and effect versus looking for root cause of a problem, yeah. right? Understanding what that means. And a great way to do this mm. is create some sort of shared mental model or framework for problem solving. And it could be something super simple, right? Just, hey, we're going to have this one part of this team meeting where we're going to talk about actual root cause analysis of a problem we're working on or something to that nature. It could be very, very simple, but that you're deliberate about it. Not just assuming okay. people are doing, because people don't really naturally do a root cause analysis. We don't. It I agree. Takes, it takes energy. So yeah. of course we don't do it. So we have to be intentional. So creating systems for that. Okay. Also thinking about learning systems and practices. So what are huh. the processes, the tools, the mechanisms for learning in big companies, they'll have a big knowledge management system, right? Yeah. So maybe some of you worked there in a company where it's just, you had this big knowledge management or learning management system and you had all this information in there. That's not necessary for smaller businesses. I shouldn't say that. Depends on the type of business you're in. You might need that some way of having mm -hmm. this knowledge be captured in a system, one of the reasons you do that, by the way, is so that the knowledge doesn't just sit in the heads of your employees, but it sits in the head of the business, which is in this system. So as people leave, yes. knowledge doesn't leave with them. Yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, you can't avoid that completely, but you're minimizing it. Okay. Other types of learning systems and practices would be things we actually talked about before, which are things like doing the QBRs, your quarterly business reviews. 
or doing these after action or hot wash conversations. Hot wash, yeah. I know. I like the hot wash. Cool so term. doing that where it's like, oh, this thing just happened. Let's just talk about that. That's being intentional about learning. So you see how it's different from training, but we're learning in the moment. What just happened? What went well? What could we do better? Boom, done. Okay. Super fast, but still is bringing learning into every aspect of what you do. And not, by the way, just when things go wrong. It could be, we just had a okay. big sales meeting. Let's do a quick hot wash conversation about how did it go? Also, you'll recognize on a team where people have very different perceptions about what happened, which is oh, like yeah. fabulous to capture. That's a huge bonus. Doing lessons learned on big projects and things like that. And then just even just reporting out on, just sharing what's happening, reporting out on a project or an initiative mm. or whatever's going on in the business. Just sharing the information is also part of creating this culture of learning, like, oh, I should be sharing information, not just holding it or assuming that people don't care. Okay. So those are examples of some systems that you can create to build this learning organization. The third part is mindset. This very much relates to what we talked about last time. You got to have a growth mindset as the leader of this business, but also thinking in terms of how do I be more of a systems thinker? How can I look more at the big picture and encourage that in my company? People should have clear role and expectations of what their job is, but you want them to think broadly when it comes to problems for the company. So having them feel comfortable thinking about the big picture and thinking mm. about the systems, which basically just means I'm thinking about if I change one thing in my department or in my role with my work, what will be the ripple effects to other parts of the business? Okay, so That's kind cool. of the basics of systems thinking. I'm not just thinking yeah. about how it's better for me, but if I make it better for me, am I making it worse for the guy down the line who has the next job? Or am I yeah. making it better for them, right? Yeah. Systems thinking. Examples of that would be you could do cross-department collaboration or job shadowing and job visits so people understand yeah, cool. what other people's jobs are. You can use visual tools, diagramming out how mm. does this whole customer service business actually work beyond just the customer service department or the customer service person. Map that whole thing out so people can visually see, oh, that's how that works. Don't assume they know. Those yeah. are some ways you can really broaden the systems thinking perspective. So that's one part of mindset. Okay. The other one we've talked about a lot, which is that environment, psychological safety, just create a culture where you're open to all the ideas. You don't have to act on all the ideas, but you want to hear all the ideas because every once in a while, there's going to be a gem in there and you will be sad if you'd missed it. So okay. just leveraging that. We've talked about reflection a ton, making reflection standard practice. You just have a mindset that's just like we do reflection, right? And then leadership, you got to go first. You got to go in with the growth mindset first. You got to be the one that's leading the charge on creating the structures and systems that support all of this. And you have to create the clarity for the company of what you expect this to look like. So that's the clarity systems mindset approach to how you build learning into your company as an element of achieving high performance. Awesome. Okay. So now, George, you're a yeah. small business owner. And you want to make learning part of your company culture and its way of working. So first of all, like, what kind of business do you have? What are you doing? A company in the competitive marching industry, like supporting drum corps and high school and college marching bands, because there's a lot that could be done there. So shall I tell you about this company? Yes. Tell me. I can't wait. Okay. So a lot of people know about, you know, college marching bands, you know, get out at halftime and 
If you've seen that, you probably don't really know about the competitive marching landscape. High school marching bands that travel nationwide and they do these incredible performances that take them months and months to hone down. The level of showmanship and professionalism and musicianship is unbelievable. And then there's a subset cult of that called the German Bugle Corps activity <laughs> that is kind of extracurricular outside of schools, but they're nonprofit organizations. And they tour all summer and they have a national championship and it's amazing. And there's a whole subculture industry around that for you know, hiring instructors to instruct the kids how to march, how to perform, writing their music, writing what we call the drill, the marching patterns that they do. But there's a lot more to it. So I would want a company that could be helping schools and individuals on how to be better at this. So I might have writers on staff or writers on call, probably writers on call. My company is going to be very, very small, just a few people, but I'm going to go and have people like me who are enthusiastic about the activity going and having trainers on site and going visiting schools and drum corps and helping them with their stuff. Just kind of spitballing this stuff, but that's my company. My company is, I don't have a name for it yet. If you have a name, I'd love to hear it, but Marching Magicians Incorporated. I don't know. Perfect. Okay. Wow. This is a fabulous company. I feel like we got really close to you answering my first question. So we're going to start with clarity. All right. So what we want to do is I'm your business coach and I'm going to help you with how do I incorporate learning right out of the gate into this business of mine? So the first question for you is what's the long-term vision? When we talk about the exercise of removing the obstacles, what's the vision for it? My mission statement, I think will be, and we'll go from there to my vision. My mm -hmm. mission statement will be to help the youth become more than they think they can be through the performing arts. And my vision for getting there will be to supply expertise and support to performers and organizations like schools to help deliver a positive mindset and the tools for helping the kids get there. Got it. So your vision is very much about development of youth through this performing arts. This is exactly right. Yeah. Okay. So you, Man, I totally want to do this company now. <laughs> I know. Maybe we're actually creating a little monster here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I know. And the next thing you know, you're going to be like, I need to just do this. Okay. So now in order to get another layer of clarity, we talked about in clarity. So we did the most important, which was, I think you do have to have this vision clear for your business. And yeah. then we talked about a couple of these other ones, which was okay. setting clear expectation for the learning and the behaviors that go with it. And this is now with your, with your staff, with your employees. So it could be your employees and also any vendors that you might work with. So just think of anybody who's contributing to the work of your company. This should Great. go beyond just employees, I believe. Yeah. So if you're a supplier through me, I want you to carry my vibe. Totally. Absolutely. So that's yeah. going to actually guide you and who are the right people to hire to work with my company as totally consultants and coaches, right? Yeah. Um, okay. And so there's that. And just the idea of clarifying that personal mastery matters. So imagine you're sitting down, having a conversation with either your employees, your vendors, like those people, what would you say to them about your expectations for learning as part of your business? This is for the people that are working in your company. So let's just okay. say employees, just simplify it to your employees. Okay. Yeah. Great. I got it. The, the, yeah. The people delivering the service, not the people receiving the service. Yeah. Cause My this is a little be... com complicated by the fact that your service is also about learning like yeah, yeah. Teaching and learning. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yes, we're just talking as you happen. It's a little meta, but let's talk about it. Just employees. 
So I would say, look, we're here to help kids learn about themselves and be better. This is an enablement business. And so I want you to understand how it currently works, the challenges kids are facing, what things we can supply them to help them learn. And if you're not familiar with this, let's go learn about that. There's ways I can help you do that. Let's go watch a show. Let's go see what kids' classrooms are currently like. Let's learn about some of the other people that we're going to be dealing with. There's all these components that come into it. So I want you to understand at some level the whole thing. I also want, we're all coaches. Coaching is part of what we do. This Everybody's enabling our customers, students and teachers. And so have you had a chance to do coaching before? Do you know what it's like to enable somebody else? Not just delivering your knowledge to somebody else, but how do you really coach somebody to be better? These are just the ideas off the top of my head, I guess. Everybody, we're all learning. Once we get used to learning, that's going to help us understand how to help others to learn because you will have gone through that learning journey yourself. That just came to me. If we're not learning, how are we going to be good at understanding what those guys need to do to learn? Right. Yeah. Again, you have this benefit of your business is actually about learning, right? So it's like, we need to get used to learning. I like that you said used to. We need to get used to learning so that we can help others learn. We need to be experiencing learning all the time so that we can help them have that experience. This is what I think of when I think of leaders as coaches is those leaders have to get good at being coached in order to be good coaches. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's... It's a tricky business. It's a very tricky for coaches, by the way, to be coached. It reminds me of therapists going to therapy. Every therapist yeah. goes to therapy. Well, partly for that reason, right? Yes. I think about it all the time, like, who, where am I getting my coaching from? So that I have to flip my mind around and be on the other side of receiving. Hmm. I need to be open to receiving now, not trying to pull things out of somebody. It's a different mindset, but it's important. So yeah, I like that. They're going to have to be on both sides. Who's Camille's Yoda? We're going to go there someday. It's Yoda. (laughs) Awesome. Why do you think I've been nerding out on Star Wars lately? Mm. I'm listening to all my Jedi. Okay. So the good clarity. I like that. Let's talk about systems. You're a small business. You're just getting things started. I don't know. How many employees do you think you have as you're getting started? Three. Three? Perfect. Okay. So thinking about systems... What would you do first? Like, what would you guess would just be like, what are the first couple things you think? I want this and this happening in this company for learning. Damn, that's a good question. You said a couple things in the last answer. Okay. I want to take my employees to some shows. Let's start experiencing what the end state is like. I'm going to take them to visit one of our vendors, maybe people who are writing drill and music. So I guess it's an educational tour at first. We're going to take them to a couple of schools. I want to see schools that do it well and the schools who are not doing it at all. So they get the full range of experience because there are some schools who are already doing this well. They will not be our customers, but they will look like our end state. What have they done? What can we learn from them? So those are great first steps, but they're kind of like one-off steps. Yeah. If you were to now, now that, so you've done it, you guys have gone out and learned this stuff. Things are launching. But now you need to just do something that keeps the learning going in the business. What's one way you would do that? The first thing that comes to mind is to build a calendar. And that calendar puts dates in there. So we're oriented around a business that tends to have seasons. So I can put things in the calendars for 
go to some performances, go to camps. So learning and putting planning time. So we, when we know when the, when we have time to plan for when we have clients, we're going to go teach them. So let's create a calendar of the, here's the kinds of things that we do. Team planning, team selling season. I guess we're always selling, but like there's times when we have rollouts or pushes, you know, before the seasons. And then we're going to have clients, we're going to go see them and observe them in performance. And then we're going to have kind of retrospectives. What did we learn from this season from our clients that we did well and not and observe and observe and, and got feedback from our students and teachers. That's my first thing, start a calendar. And that helps me think about some of the activities that we want to do. And maybe from there, I will start observing, not I, all four of us, me and my three employees, we'll all look at this together and we'll see if we observe patterns. Like, you know, we're doing this across the year. It occurs to me that we should do this build into our part of our routine. I like that observe and looking for patterns and ways that you can collectively improve on this. It does assume you have some money to be able to do all this stuff. Yeah, I know. So I want to propose another, let's say you're a business that just doesn't. I've got my three employees. We're all reactive all the time. We're super busy. We're stressed out. I yeah. can't do any of that cool stuff. I mean, what George just said sounds really awesome. And I want to work for his company, by the way, but <laughs> I don't have that kind of business right now. Not yet. I always like, remember growth mindset, not yet. So as your coach, I would say also think about how do you encourage your team to do some regular conversations focused on reflection and learning. Maybe there's a weekly conversation where the team's like, okay, how did the work just flow this week? Did we have any issues? How did it go? Yeah. How could we do that better next week? Am I involved in those conversations or is it amongst themselves or individual? It's totally up to you. It's your system. Oh, you can design okay. it however you want. So if you feel like, hmm. hey, I've coached my team and I've set the stage for them to do this, they could do it on their own. Yeah. It could be like something that. you lead where you're like, hey guys, I want to create psychological safety because this is new for us. So I'm going to come in and just bring my own challenges that I had this week. And we're going to talk through those, right? Like when okay. you were talking uh, last time, you said, you know, you had this a leader who was great at owning to their mistakes. So you could do something like that. This is a way that it doesn't cost you any money. It does cost you time, but it doesn't have to be a lot of time. It could actually be, we're just going to spend 30 minutes reflecting on the week and talking about maybe one thing we want to do differently next week. Maybe we don't have a thing to do different. Maybe we're still puzzling through it. So don't yeah. also feel like every single time we okay. must create change. Sometimes yeah, exactly. Having the conversation and doing the reflection is enough. And you as the leader can then say, you know what? I do see something in here we can do. Or you can be like, no, that was enough. We're good. Just keep going, guys. We don't need to act on this right now. It's not the end of the world. This is great. It's interesting to me as we're going through this. I didn't really have a problem with clarity. I just making up this example. I have a vision that feels good and I could tweak this and hone it, but out of the gate, my vision feels workable. Getting to the system stuff, it's harder for me to think of. I think I have a lot of great point ideas. Like you said, a lot of one-offs, but it's harder for me to think about as a system what I'm going to do. This is fascinating. I do think this is inherently back to why this are built sort of just the way they're designed inhibits learning. I think this is it because when we think about, I want to learn something, 
we instantly go to all the stuff you said. Like I totally got all the stuff you said, like, yeah, I want to go do that. I want to go learn this. I want to go there, which by the way, are all brilliant ideas. And if companies can do it, can go visit vendors, can go visit customers, can get like go out to see the work, even just doing it in your own company. If you're just not seeing what's happening in someone else's job and what they're doing, what's happening on the front line, as we say, Mm -hmm. you should go do that. Always go do that. But if we only think about that as part of the learning, we're going to do it few and far between because it takes time and money. And so this is where we inhibit the learning. We're like, oh, we can't really afford that. Oh, we don't really have time for that. So if I don't have a business that has the funding to do it, I I sort of just write it off as I don't have the ability. And so that's why I like to think of it as, again, the micro moves. What are the small little things you do and systematize? We do this all the time. Our normal way of being is at the end of the week, we have a 30 minute reflection as an example. Lots of ways that you can do that, but you do have to start thinking about how do I make it consistent? Because if I don't, I'm not creating a learning organization. I'm just, again, kind of doing the, I'm going to go to training once. Yeah, absolutely. So your calendar idea definitely got closer, like, oh, having seasons of what we would do even better. And just trying to have like, oh, it's that season. This is where we should be going out to learn this quarter or this season. I love that idea. That's definitely a system. Question for you. I'll give you the background for the question first. I think seasons are helpful. I think of football coaches. One of the reasons football coaches, I think, can do well is because they're completely structured. Everybody in the business knows what you're going to do every week. You don't have to be particularly creative to know when you're going to do what. I know I need to get on planes from this month and that month. I know spring training is this day to this day. The NCAA limits that for me. And where I'm going with this is, I don't know if there's a difference between patterns and systems. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Well, as you were saying that, I was thinking that is something that as a small business owner, if you aren't in an industry that has this natural pattern or seasonality to it, you have to kind of create that for yourself. That's why we have this quarterly goal setting process. What do you want this next quarter or this season to be about? What are you going to be promoting or what type of, you know, marketing are you going to be trying to do, or what's your content going to be about? Or there's some way of thinking about that. Cause if it's just a whole long year of slogging in your business, One, it's kind of boring, but also it's hard to really focus and do one thing just really, really well. It feels like a pattern helps you build a better system because the structure is there. Like, well, here's the pattern or the, here's what's already in front of you. Now build a system that works in that. That would be easier. If you don't have the pattern, then you've got to make one up. I can see myself falling into the trap of confusing a pattern for a system. I feel intuitively like there's something related, but not exactly the same. Yeah. And when we talk about systems, there's also like systems as the process, there's a routine, and then there's actual systems like my electronic systems. And all of those things can work together in this, right? So systems, when I think about it with business, is a pretty broad term, Okay. but kind of on purpose. I think of it as encompassing all of the structures, the processes, the routines, the technology, the, all of the things, the systems that hold this whole thing together and make it go. So yeah. you have business processes, you have customer delivery processes, now processes for learning and systems that support it. It's all in there. So it's pretty broad category, but it is the how we make it all work. 
clarity totally is the s- what, right? What is it that we're trying to do? The systems is how we're going to mm-hmm. do it. And then the mindset is that whole nuanced, you know, these are my choices in the culture of the way that this is going to happen. Yeah. Okay. I'm seeing the value of coaching here big time. I'm not just saying that because I'm your co-host. All right. We said it here. Brother sees a good reason for his sister to coach him. How about that? (laughs) Yep. So the third one is mindset. If you think about this, so yeah, we're trying to create this culture of continuously learning, having that just be embedded into it. So beyond just that, I want people to go out and learn, but I also want them to do it inside the company. You're doing both those things. Mm-hmm. How would you create that environment for learning? And thinking about this from that mindset perspective we talked about, right? When we talked about growth mindset, we talked about how do I help people be systems thinkers or how do I create psychological safety, encourage reflection? Like this is the leadership piece. Yeah. What's one thing you, you would do? Oh man, I got a bunch of ideas here. The first thing I'm going to do is steal from elementary school at our son's school on Fridays. So far, it seems like all the classes have share and tell. The kids can choose to do it or not. They can bring anything that they want and share. If they have it, they raise their hand. I want to share today and they get up and share and tell. I love the idea of doing share and tell. So maybe on Fridays at lunch or email, like, hey, what's one thing that you picked up that you want to share with the team? Excellent. And again, there's no pressure. Like you said before, I think it's important not to have pressure to do it. If you don't have anything to share, that's great. We'll skip you in meeting today. Yeah, this gets to a really important point, I think, which is that there are going to be people who are just going to feel uncomfortable because that's just who they are. They're introverted or they haven't experienced acceptance in speaking up about things. Maybe they even have a speech impediment. They just feel awkward talking, right? For whatever reason, people are going to be hesitant. So just demonstrating for them that speaking up goes well you being that leader so that they're like, oh, all these people are having a lot of fun doing it. Maybe I do want to do it. And maybe recognizing that that person first needs to partner with somebody who's good at it and not be just spotlight on them by themselves. So these are all things you can do also as a leader to just help the ones that you see them repeatedly not step up, but you know, they have good ideas and things to share. So you want to hear from them. It's not that you want to put the spotlight on them to embarrass them. It's that I know they've got good stuff. How do I help them feel comfortable sharing it? Here's another idea. I'll borrow from my own team's quarterly business reviews. And that is, let's say we've got a couple of clients or even prospects. We're still prospecting our clients. And so we're looking at what they're building. So I probably have a pretty decent idea about how we've helped our clients, how they've gotten from this level of capability to this level of capability. But I don't know if my three employees have that. So every so often we do this exercise where we all assess, we do a review. How do you guys think we've done with our customers? I'll do the first one and I'll tell you what I see, but then I want each of you to spend some time telling you what you see. And if you got nothing, that's fine, but everybody's going to have something. When you give them permission to say, hey, just anything that you've observed, I can give you a framework for it, but just now organically, what did you observe? Everybody participates in that. We will get better. We will get used to reviewing. It will build up that muscle for, oh, yeah, I liked how this went. Next time I'm really going to pay attention to what I'm seeing. Maybe I'll even figure out how to take notes so I can present it better. Maybe I'll bring that note-taking system back to the team. Like, hey, I've got a way for helping us assess how we're doing. This helped me think about our review session before, you know, that builds kind of the whole learning thing into a system because my employees are great. (laughs) Well, because you're a great leader. But this, you are exactly describing what I think is the essence of creating a learning organization, which is 
I've learned something. I'm going to share that knowledge and learning with the rest of my team so that we are all elevated together. So you don't have to go and learn what I just learned by yourself because that's the slow path, but I'm going to bring it to you. And then if it's valuable to you, you can take it and run with it. If it's not, that's okay too. Or if you have a different way, that's okay too. But this idea of sharing like, Hey, I just discovered this thing. And I thought I'd share it with you guys. That's what you really want a learning organization to be doing all the time about all the stuff. And I'm going to tie this back to the very first thing you said in the podcast, which is you asked me, true or not, we all have a desire to learn. And I said, disagree. But everybody, everybody has an opinion. And you can leverage that to turn that into learning. So I don't have to tell my team, hey, what did you learn? It's like, what do you think? What's your opinion about how this is going? Go ahead and be as critical as you want. And then we'll figure out how to turn that opinion into a learning mode, right? Yes. And that is actually an excellent focus of mindset because you're recognizing like, okay, maybe everybody's not in the learning mindset yet, but I can get them there if I meet them where they're at. And this is a key coaching tool. I'm going to meet them where they're at. And you're saying, I know they have an opinion and they want to just say (laughs) it, but you're going to lead that into a lesson learned, right? So they can see, oh, but that's where we end up. Well, that's interesting. And eventually they'll come along to that. Most people, not everybody. Totally will. But yes, I love that approach. Yeah. Excellent. Well, your company is going to be well set up for learning right out of the gate, George. So congratulations. This was fun. What did we call it? Mar- marching? Marching Magi- Magicians Incorporated. Marching Magicians LLC. I got to think of some more names for this company. We can brainstorm it out. Hey, audience, if you have ideas for this company, I'd love to hear your names for it. So while everything we've been talking about, you know, learning maybe seems like an obvious solution. Even as we were starting this, you were like, oh, this is kind of obvious and I get training and whatever. But when I say learning organization, you can see I'm talking about something at another level, something that's kind of embedded in how you guys interact, not just in what you do. So if this is something that you're kind of grappling with or you're thinking about, again, just think about starting with being intentional about learning. Like that's the first step and having some kind of a plan, like just what I walked George through for his little fake cute business. You can do that too and figure out what's my basic plan. What are the basic things I want to do and keep it really simple. Number two is to make sure you're setting the example. So ensure that your growth mindset comes first. So if you're still struggling there, which we all do at times, by the way, so don't feel bad. Don't be like, oh my gosh, I must be a horrible person because I don't have a great growth mindset. Nope. We're all struggling with that all the time. So you want to learn more about that. And you didn't listen to episode 33, go back and listen and really focus on that and make sure your growth mindset is on display for your team. And then the third one is do this clarity systems mindset, do this, just get clarity, get a system, get your mindset dialed in again, keep it simple, do that approach to learning in your organization and you'll be off and running. Awesome. Hopefully it's obvious why you would do this, right? I hope so. You did make it obvious. But if not, listen to this again. If it's not obvious, listen to it a third time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, high performance business, obviously the faster you can learn, the better off you're going to be. If I can get better, faster at learning how to improve my marketing, of course, that's going to accelerate my business. If I can get faster and better at how I deliver quality to my customers, man, referrals are going to shoot through the roof right? Yeah. So that's what this is really about. We want rapid cycles of learning. So every single aspect of your business, you can get better at faster and that means faster growth. So that's what we're all here to do. All right, cool. Also just better for humans. Like you said last time, it's also like the curiosity when we talked about that last time in growth mindset, you're like, it's just more fun. 
Yeah. This one too is just more fun. It's way more fun when people are just learning together. So, oh yeah. So yeah, if you have questions, you have thoughts, you're trying to do this, or you have a suggestion for George's fake business that maybe someday (laughs) would be real. I don't know. Leave us a voicemail at thebeliefshift.com. And we would love to hear from you. Any last we'd words love coach, to. before we check? No, thanks for being my coach. It was a lot of fun doing it. Thank you for being my fake business owner and playing the game with me. You were awesome at it. Thank you. Just for the record, everybody out there, that was live. I was surprised by it. it wasn't scripted out. So all the stumbling for real. I'm making a note in the calendar, the day that Camille taught her big brother something. Woo. Mm-hmm. Doesn't happen often. All right. <laughs> thanks everybody. We'll be back in your ears next week. See everybody.